pick your business. Hey there, I'm Eric Olson. And I'm Kevin Daisy. Join us on our journey to building a $100 million company. Hey, what's happening? This is Eric J. Olson. In January of 2021, I published a book named Million Dollar Journey. I had the audio for that. It's on audible.com, but I'm going to share it with you right here on this podcast. So this is a chapter from the book. Some of these episodes are going to be long. Some will be short, but I'm going to read the whole thing to you. One chapter at a time. Here you go. After hearing it, let me know what you think on Instagram. I hang out there at eric.j.olson. That's E-R-I-K.j.olson. And without further ado, here's a chapter from Million Dollar Journey. The early stage of your entrepreneurial journey is exciting. You're full of piss and vinegar and ready to take on the world. You're ready to start a company, to stop working for the man or woman, and to bet on yourself. If you're like so many others, at this point, you know you want to go into business for yourself. But what business will you get into? Each of us possesses a unique combination of skills. Our experiences, career choices, and passions result in a hodgepodge of skills that could form the basis of a company. When I was ready to strike out on my own, I was skilled in construction project management, software development, and even had experience helping my wife run her bakery business. Any or all of those skills could have been the basis for my own business. You may be tempted to launch a business that incorporates all of your skills and passions, but resist the temptation to form such a broad business. I promise you, it will quickly lead to problems. In my case, that would have meant launching a business that somehow incorporated my construction, software, and bakery experiences into one. Although that might have been wonderful for me, there were many reasons why it wouldn't work. First, it would be hard for me to explain what my business does. The harder it is to explain your business, the less inclined potential customers will be to figure it out. If it's not caveman simple to understand what your business does, people won't invest the mental energy required to make sense of it. You want people to have a very clear, unambiguous understanding of exactly what you do, and that means simplifying your offering. Second, what would I sell? Those three unique skills, which don't make a whole lot of sense together, were acquired over random events in my life. What exactly would I sell that combined my unique skills? Third, it'd be nearly impossible to find and hire other people who possess that unique combination of skills and interests. If I couldn't find others with that unique combination of skills, then it would be hard for me to scale beyond my own bandwidth. It's best to pick just one skill or one passion as the basis for your company. At most, two, but one is best. Which one or two of your skills and passions will you choose? This is the tough question that only you can answer. Should I do this or do that? I'm good at so many things, I can't decide what to do. I frequently hear questions and statements like these from new entrepreneurs who can't decide what type of business to start. 
They think about it, analyze it, and think about it some more. But then, inevitably, they get analysis paralysis. Some may linger in this state of indecision for years, others forever. One of my former coworkers talked about starting a business and going back to school to get a master's degree. That was 20 years ago, and he's still yet to have started either. Think too long about what you're going to do, and you'll likely talk yourself in circles and never do anything. My advice is to pick something you have a passion for. Reflect on your formative years and your career experiences to date, and pick the area of your life that you'll focus on for the foreseeable future. If you're lucky and you already have an inkling of what you want to do, go forward with your idea. Be brave. It may not be the best choice, time will tell, but it's a decision and an exciting one. Now you can start on your journey. You'll no longer be stuck staring at the starting line. You've just removed a major barrier and taken a giant step forward on your journey. It's better to get started, even if that means potentially pivoting later, than to not get started at all. I know you don't want to be like my old coworker who pondered it for 20 years instead of taking action. Once you're moving forward with your business, then you'll get feedback from prospects and customers and you'll have more information to act on. That feedback will inform future decisions and will likely lead you to tweaking the plan for your journey. After you've selected which of your passions to pursue for your new business, and after you've learned enough about the industry you've selected, next is time to jump into the game. But how do you get experience before going all in? A great way to start gaining momentum is through freelancing. Freelancing. Freelancing, also referred to as moonlighting, a side gig, or getting your hustle on, is when you work on a project for someone who is not your full-time employer. This kind of work is typically done on nights and weekends or whenever you're not working your full-time job. Freelancing is a great way to make extra money while exploring if you really want to pursue the passion you chose for your entrepreneurial journey. Freelancing was my first actionable step on the path I took to my million-dollar journey. If you'll be providing a service, then freelancing is a great option for you to gain experience you'll need and to make extra money. If you'll be providing a product instead, then freelancing really means selling your product on the side to friends and family at a farmer's market or through an established retailer. After working as a software developer for 15 plus years, I began looking for freelancing opportunities online. I quickly found a website that connected freelancers to people wanting to hire a freelancer. It was called Elance. The website later merged with Odesk and rebranded as Upwork. I created a freelancer profile and submitted bids on three or four gigs. The next day, I applied for another three or four gigs. To my amazement, I won two of these projects. Within days, I had two of my own clients. Once I decided to take action, action happened quickly. It turned out to be more work than I was ready to take on in addition to my day job. But I didn't care. I wanted as much freelance work as possible because I had a feeling it was going to be the way out of my day job. Those first two gigs were just what I needed to get the ball rolling. Having a day job meant I could only work on my freelancing on nights and weekends. It's a typical entrepreneurial pattern. You have a day job that pays the bills, and you have a side gig that provides extra income and experience. 
But what if you don't want to work nights and weekends? Well, it's certainly an option to quit your day job before you've accumulated cash, experience, and clients, but it's an option with a ton of risks. An unnecessary risk, in my opinion. But sometimes, and to some people, it's worth it. That's your call. For me, I prefer taking calculator risks and to lower risk when I can. That's why freelancing was a great way forward. Freelancing nights and weekends for a few months was a minor sacrifice in order to launch my business while reducing the future risk from quitting my day job. The extra income from freelancing was nice, but that's not why I took on those first two projects. They weren't even great projects. They were pretty terrible, actually, built with old technologies that most freelancers didn't want to work on. Yet I was eager to work with those old technologies because I wanted the experience of freelancing and I wanted to start building my clientele. I was willing to work on lame projects to start the process of building my own company. What most freelancers saw as a negative, I saw as a positive because I had a desire to build my experience from the ground up. These two projects would be gateway projects that I would parlay into more work with these and other clients. I was building my base, and I knew that if I did a good job on these first two projects, these clients would give me glowing reviews that I could use as validation for wooing the next set of clients. I'd also have a portfolio of projects that I could claim as my own. Just like in my days of shoveling snow and cutting grass, both of those clients had additional work for me after the first projects. Never one to turn down an opportunity, I took on as much as they gave me. More nights and weekends passed, and I continued to please them with my work. As expected, when I saw another client and needed a testimonial, both clients were happy to assist. The plan was working. While I continued to bust my butt on nights and weekends, I was still working my day job as a Navy contractor. I knew the rebid on the Navy contract was approaching soon, and the end of my cushy day job and predictable income could be near. I stashed away all the cash from the side gigs into a newly formed business bank account. I didn't need the money at the time, but I knew that one day soon, I would. If the rebid didn't go my way, then I had a viable option to continue freelancing. If the rebid did go my way, then I had other options. After working on that contract for nine long years and doing mostly the same thing day in and day out, I knew it was time for a change, but the money, it was so good. Why was I even thinking of leaving such a well-paying job? What force was driving me to something else? More importantly, how could I live with myself if I opted for the safety of my cushy job, but was miserable for the rest of my career? I knew it was time to leave, but man, was it hard to pull the trigger. If you find yourself in a similar place, where you know it's time to leave your job behind so that you can pursue your own business, that it's imperative to plan your exit. Too many times I've seen people make rash decisions to quit their job and open their business in a rush and without a plan. But then they struggle to find work, the launch fizzles, and they run out of money. Going from being a full-time employee to running your own business is less about the event of quitting your job and starting a company and much more about transitioning from one phase of your life to another. 
Transitioning over time is the key. Rush this transition and you will suffer financially and emotionally. Do not quit your day job before you have enough clients lined up, you saved up for the transition, and you're prepared for a dip in your income. How much you save is up to you. It all comes down to how much risk you are willing to take. For a period of time, you likely won't be making quite as much money running your own business as you are making as a full-time employee. Your goal in planning your exit is to plan for a manageable dip in income and mitigate the risks as much as possible. Plan your transition, work nights and weekends for a while, save money, and build up your clientele. Then when you cut loose from your day job, you'll have a runway of income from existing clients, a few bucks saved, and an established portfolio and testimonials. Don't be in a rush. Plan ahead, move methodically, but always keep moving. In other words, be patient, but get on with it. Are you faking it? If you're not 100% sure of what you're doing, if you're still trying to figure it out, welcome to the club. The reality is that most business owners who you look up to are still winging it to a certain degree. Sure, they may have figured out the basics by now, but they didn't know squat in the beginning. Ask them, and they'll tell you about all the mistakes they made. Shoot, I'm writing Million Dollar Journey about all the mistakes I made. Trust me when I say that none of us knew what we were doing in the beginning. What you're feeling right now has a name. It's called imposter syndrome. You feel like you're in over your head, like you're faking it, like you don't know what you're doing. Chances are, at this early stage, you're partly right. But so what? What other option is better than moving forward? Yes, it's a bit scary. But you will figure this out over time. And besides, what's the worst case scenario? If you fail, you can always get another job. It's not that big of a deal. When you look at it like that, it's not so risky, is it? Realizing that your worst case scenario is that you'll simply get another day job should provide you with a major confidence boost. Here's a tip. You've heard the term fake it till you make it, right? Don't do that. When you fake it, you know it and others know it too. If you lack some experience or some confidence, just own it. Tell others the truth about where you are on your journey. They'll respect you more for that and will often even help you get to the next level. When to go all in. The decision to quit your day job and go all in on your new business is a tough one for anyone to make. Regardless of how long you've worked at your current job or worked in general, you've become accustomed to the lifestyle that your steady paycheck has provided. People regularly ask me about when is the right time to go all in on a business. First, be sure that you want your new business more than you just want to walk away from your old job. If your strongest desire is to leave your existing job more than start your own business, then maybe what you want is a new job working for someone else. If so, that's 100% okay. Search for a new job instead. But if you've concluded that yes, what you really want is to start a business, then the next step is to evaluate your finances. Everyone has different financial needs. 
If you're single and just out of school, then you can probably live on a modest income and savings. Much more so than someone with a spouse, children, a mortgage, and a car payment. Everyone has a different risk tolerance. How much or how little money you've saved up is a big factor in how much risk you will feel comfortable taking. A young, single entrepreneur may be happy with a $1,000 buffer in the bank account. Someone in his 50s may get uncomfortable if his bank account falls below $20,000. What makes you comfortable or uncomfortable comes from your own personal perspective. As for me, I freelanced on and off for years. My general rule was to take the payments from freelancing and put them into a business banking account. I'd only use funds from that account to pay for legitimate business expenses, but never for living expenses. By the time I decided to go all in and quit my day job, I had saved $50,000. That may sound like a lot, but I was preparing for the worst. Potentially no income coming in for long periods of time. And I needed that money to support my family and so I could stay in business. I'm sure you've heard stories of founders selling everything they had or draining their savings accounts and 401ks to start their companies. Those tales are impressive when they succeed. Others can have their glory. I needed security, and that meant stockpiling a cash reserve from freelancing. Your situation is your own, and you'll likely have certain lines you don't want to cross. Saving a buffer is a great way of jumping in with both feet while also wearing a life preserver. A buffer is a great way for you to focus on building your new business while not having the stress of possible total financial failure. With a burning desire to work for myself, $50,000 in the bank as a buffer, and knowing I had more demand for my services than I could currently supply, that's when I decided to pull the trigger. And the timing could not have been better. When the Navy contract rebid was announced, I was on the losing side of it. What was once a hard decision for me to make, to quit my well-paying day job or not, Rather abruptly wasn't a decision at all. I was getting the boot. The winning contractor was cleaning house and bringing in their own people. In essence, I was fired, dismissed, no longer needed. I was on my own. Having foreseen this possibility six months in advance, I was fully prepared. It was the perfect opportunity to launch my own business, and everything had lined up according to plan. By then, I had a few clients money and savings, and an established business website. And I was bringing in about 50% of the income I used to get from my day job. That was enough for me to feel comfortable jumping in with both feet. Had I not prepared in advance, had I not anticipated this event happening, I would not have been able to transition into freelancing full-time so quickly. Your reputation precedes you. There's truth in that saying. An excellent reputation will help you successfully launch your new business. I had established a reputation as a hard worker through my employment at various companies and my side gigs along the way. That reputation carried over into my new business, and as word got out that I was freelancing, opportunities started to come my way. Reputation is a funny thing. This was never more evident than a few months after I started working for myself. I got a referral for a rather nice-sized project soon after beginning freelancing full-time. While I was busy working with my first few clients, 
a local company was looking around for someone to help them on a new project. Someone I knew found out about that project and recommended me to the client because of my reputation. Not only did my reputation precede me, it brought me leads. Whenever possible, make decisions that will positively affect your reputation. When you need to make a tough decision or hold a difficult conversation, do so in a way that won't damage your reputation. Once damaged, it's nearly impossible to recover your reputation. Multiple personas. Did you know that you have multiple professional personas? Most entrepreneurs do, especially in the beginning. During my early entrepreneurial journey, I accumulated various contexts, aka personas, for how people knew me. I was Eric the Navy contractor, but I was also freelancing on side projects. Most people knew me by one of those personas, but others knew me from my involvement in professional organizations or because they were customers from previous side gigs or from one of the other products that I had launched. By this point, my personas were an employee on a Navy project, a freelancer who takes on side gigs, someone who took on side gigs under an earlier company name that I had formed years ago, a board member of a nonprofit professional organization, a person who built a web application for other members of his nonprofit to use for free, a bakery co-owner with my wife, working there some nights and most weekends. Owner of multiple online businesses, including Measured Mile. Each business relationship I had with someone was under a different context. Within each context, I operated a different persona. My guess is that you're in a similar situation. Living with multiple personas means that you haven't projected a consistent message of who you are to the world. The world perceives you differently based on which persona you project at any given time. Having multiple personas means there's an opportunity to do a much better job at branding who you are. The most distinct personas are that of a full-time employee and freelancer. Those are two worlds you don't want to collide. You don't want your employer to find out that you are freelancing, and you don't want your freelance clients to know much, if anything, about your day job. You have to keep those two personas separate. As a consequence, people are often reluctant to talk openly about what they do. For example, you probably only post about your day job persona on LinkedIn. If you choose to post about being an employee, then your freelance prospects will be confused and may not hire you. But if you post about being a freelancer on your LinkedIn profile and your company finds out, your job may be in jeopardy. So what do most people do with their multiple personas? They keep those personas as far away from each other as they can. In the end, they do a terrible job of marketing themselves because they can't safely project the right persona in a public setting. A friend of mine runs a limo business. That's his side gig and he also has a full-time corporate job. In order to ensure that the two worlds do not collide, he won't associate his name or face with his limo business. He just can't risk people at work 
finding out about the Lumo company. The result is that he cannot openly talk about his Lumo business in public or online, and he can't parlay his own personal reputation, his own personal brand, to get him business. He knows it's holding back the growth of his limo business, but he doesn't want to risk people at work knowing what he's up to on the side. The longer you don't tell your network about your side gig, freelancing, or new company, the longer you're working at a disadvantage. At this early stage in your business, your network is gold and you need to activate it to get new customers. The sooner you can transition to working your side hustle full-time, the sooner you can do away with your day job persona. That persona, which has served you well in the past, is now holding you back the most. The day I walked away from my day job was the day I finally ditched my employee persona. Once I ditched that persona, I knew I had to consolidate all my other personas. I needed everyone I knew to start thinking about me as the guy running his own business. Not as the full-time employee, not as the baker's husband, not as the nonprofit member. I needed everyone to know me for the business I was launching, and that's it. In order to consolidate down to that one main persona, I started by shutting down old email accounts and old websites. These were mostly from when I had previously attempted to launch companies. I had those email addresses rerouted to my new business email address and the old websites rerouted to my new company websites. With that, I ended the lingering personas of Eric, the part-time freelancer. I shut down several personas where I was a small-time, part-time freelancer and replaced them all with the persona of being a full-time business owner. Some side projects, like Measured Mile, were still lingering around at the time. Even though those side projects occasionally brought in a small amount of revenue, it was time to let them go. I no longer wanted to be associated with those side projects and didn't want to put any more time into them. So I shuttered them all. I shut down Measured Mile and similar side projects. That got rid of another old persona, the guy who ran a bunch of small-time websites. Then I looked at each of my social media profiles. I updated where I worked on sites like LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. I shared my new company and I updated LinkedIn to show that I no longer worked at my old day job. Once I cleaned up my personas and consolidated down to one, I was ready to come out of the closet with my new business. This is where you, too, can begin to trim down those extra personas in your websites, email addresses, and social media accounts. When you're ready to go all in, then it's time to present your new consolidated persona to the world. Chapter takeaways. Number one, don't start a business that encompasses all of your skills and passions. Pick one, two at the most, as the core of your business offering. Number two, find online gigs and freelance work before quitting your day job. That'll earn you money and get you real-world experience you can build on. Number three, don't rush to quit your day job. Plan your transition, save money, and prepare for a temporary reduction in income as your new business gets going. Number four, don't fake it till you make it. Be transparent and others will help you along your journey.
And number five, shut down old personas once you go all in and quit your day job. Your network needs to know you as the business owner who's starting a new business. If you like this podcast and you know a lawyer who wants to grow their law firm practice, tell them to check out ArrayLaw.com. Array Digital exclusively serves managing partners who want to aggressively grow their law firm. ArrayLaw.com.